Jesus, Bible, and Current Events from a Christian Perspective. Battling spiritual wickedness in high places, one podcast at a time. This is the High Places Podcast. Hello again, everyone. This is Jim. I saw an article this week, and I guess uh, it's just talking about yet another one of these uh, so-called pastors who um, basically embraces the world and encourages everybody else to do the same, uh, basically giving people cover uh, and the uh, means by which to numb their conscience to the wickedness of the world. And this is a pretty old story by now. Um, we've seen, you know, whether it's prosperity gospel uh, or the, you know, kind of happiness gospel or um, uh, social justice gospel or whatever it is, um, or just the I love sin and I don't want to think that I'm going to hell gospel. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it's all too common. But I noticed an interesting contrast with something else that we'll talk about in just a little bit. But um, this current guy's name is Joe Thorne. And I'm, this was just, this was about a conference he was going to speak at. And, um, you know, why are the, why are these people even having this guy here? But, um, so I won't get into all that, but just, just to give you a flavor of, of this guy. And again, um, nothing particularly new, but, uh, you know, he, he talks about, uh, you know, he loves the darkness. His, his, um, uh, he really likes horror movies, like R rated violent horror movies, uh, and has ever since he was a kid, uh, yet another reason to keep your kids away from Hollywood movies. Um, because this guy claims to be a pastor, but he, um, loves like all this wicked stuff. He was on a podcast and, you know, singing songs about, I mean, like sexual things, singing along with songs about, uh, just, you know, uh, uh, looking at parts of women's bodies and, um, encouraging them to do lustful things. Um, and, you know, it talks about his, uh, drinking bourbon and talks about some of his favorite horror movies, uh, where, uh, children are killed, um, serial killers, uh, uh, witches, demons, um, all sorts of, um, infanticide, blood rituals. These are the guys <laughs> These are the kinds of things this guy is is watching and saying is okay and defending the people that like wrote this stuff and of uh, and of course he's a fan of uh death metal again something he's uh listened to for a long time uh 95% he says of his listening is heavy metal music and tries to justify you know, what some of his fa favorite bands sing about. They're just talking about life. Well, you can say that about any evil thing you want to talk about. Uh, I guess one of their uh, 
one of the bands um, one of the, that he likes, one of their songs, The Vampire from Nazareth. So the, it's it's weird because, like, the movies and the music he listens to have, like, um, kind of heretical, blasphemous, biblical uh, things in them, connotations. Um, it's, you know, so... And he falls back on the old, um, the worn out line about, well, he's a mature Christian. And so, you know, he understands that this, these things make immature Christians uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, since he's a mature Christian, he can handle it. <sighs> you know, that kind of twisting of the scripture, uh, that comes straight from the devil himself or one of the devil's children. Um, you know, when Paul talked about uh, not doing things because uh, it may offend a weaker brother, um, Paul wasn't talking about doing things that are sinful because he's mature. It's like, no, if, if uh, you know, if there are certain things that... Um, and an immature brother is uncomfortable with uh, old kind of you know rules or things like this um, that we have liberty from, and the verses he the, in which he talks about this were specifically talking about food. Uh, then Paul's like, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat meat if it's gonna make my you know my brother uncomfortable. But he didn't say, yeah, I'm gonna stop going to the brothel. <laughs> until I'm not around my, uh, you know, less mature Christian brother. Yeah, I'm going to stop, uh, you know, I won't steal when I'm around uh, an immature Christian because I don't want them to feel offended. But when they're not around, you know, I'll steal and I'll do this. I mean, come on, come on. Just like the devil in the Garden of Eden, uh, taking God's word and twisting it is what people like this thorn guy do. And so um, he should really uh, read the rest of Paul uh, and some of the things that Paul wrote. Um, Romans chapter 6 is a good example uh, where he talks about uh, a good chunk of this chapter is about the fact that if we're saved, uh, we're not going to be in bondage to sin. We're not going to be a slave to sin. Uh, if we start in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." That's verse 14 was that last bit. Now, how many times have you heard people who claim to be Christians who are indulged in sin and the thing they fire back with is, well, I'm under grace, I'm not under law. Um, well, first of all, don't use God's grace as an occasion for the flesh. The Bible says that too. But in the very next verse, in verse 15, Paul addresses the, this exact a response to what he just said. Verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. 
Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye, ye obey? Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. So Paul goes directly at this. Um, hey, does it mean I can sin because I'm under, uh, I'm under grace and, and not under the law? He says, God forbid. And then he goes on to say, you know, whoever you're serving, that's whose servant you are. If you're serving sin, if you obey sin and your lusts, then you're a servant of sin. And then the result of that is death, eternal death. But if you are obedient to God, then you're a servant of righteousness. So Paul goes right at So in the next time anybody tries to pull that line on you, tell them to read the next verse, because they've conveniently stopped where they've wanted to. It's, um, it's just striking. It, it, it reminded me also of uh, uh, in the book of Jude, um, when he starts out writing this, uh, he was um, writing to this uh, group of believers, um, but then he stopped. If we look at verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. That's sexual lust, sexual desire. So it's funny that this thorn guy is um, singing along to songs that uh, lustfully talk about women's bodies um, and... Yeah. So all of this stuff, you could spend an hour, uh, you know, just refuting all this stuff, um, at least, um, with, uh, with the things the Bible says. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, do your Bible reading tonight in Ma uh, Matthew chapter 13. The parable of the sower is in there, and uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Um, there are... Um, uh, there are unbelievers in the church. Uh, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, if you look at uh, what is it, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, um, where Paul is talking about, he's writing to the Corinthians and talking to them about these other teachers that have come in and tried to get them to do all these other things um, and not listen to the gospel, the true gospel. Uh, but they're giving them different information um, uh, that undermines uh, their salvation. And they criticize Paul uh, for the things that he said. And so Paul, um, standing up for his ministry, uh, not out of pride, but uh, to affirm to them, to the Corinthians, uh, that this, this, came from, this came from Jesus. Uh, he, he's not trying to undermine them. He's been doing and telling them all these things out of love. But then these other people come in and undermine the truth of the gospel. 
And uh, where is it? In verse 13. Uh, this is very telling. He says, for such are false apostles. He's talking about the other people that have come in with a different message. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So that word transformed in other translations, um, it, it has the idea that um, even the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And so mo no marvel then that his children uh, also pretend to be uh, angels of light, ministers of righteousness. Um, but when they encourage people to embrace the things of the world, uh, when they make excuses for sin, you know, it's one thing to fall into sin. And thankfully, uh, you know, when we do that, God chastises us and grants us repentance and turns us uh, back to the narrow way. But when, when someone dives into sin, and you can always tell the difference between the two, because if someone's going to dive into sin, they're going to try to justify sin. They're going to say that sin is not a sin. They're basically going to contradict God, again, just like the devil in the Garden of Eden. You will not surely die. And they want to make obeying God seem unreasonable, just like the devil in the Garden. And so when people, uh, and especially people that uh, uh, call themselves pastors or claim to represent God, embrace all these worldly things, yeah, I mean, let's be frank. Uh, these people are uh, very likely not saved. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. And so, if you have people that are practicing lawlessness, embracing this, and trying to make excuses, they should do what the Bible says and test themselves to make sure they're in the faith. But boy, it's hard to imagine that someone who is justifying wickedness, darkness, right? The Bible says, oh, what fellowship has light with darkness? This thorn guy talks about he loves the dark things. And, it's, you know, it's, it's again trying to uh, appeal to the world by trying to make Christianity look like the world. Basically saying, yeah, you know all that wicked stuff you're doing now? You can keep doing that stuff. You can keep doing that. You can still call yourself a Christian and tell yourself that you're not going to go to hell for all this wicked stuff you love doing. You don't have to give it up. It's just like when the uh, Catholics uh, went into these uh, new areas, like especially in the New World, but wherever they went, um, when uh, they were spreading Catholicism, they would come into these pagan cultures. And, you know, the local people were all worshiping their own gods. And the Catholics said, oh, well, you know what, Th those are just saints. They're saints now. And so you can still pray to them. You, can, you don't have to give them up. We'll, we'll just call them saints. <laughs> and so it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's like 
yeah, those those sins, those aren't really sins. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you can you can still do that because because you know you're under grace and not law. Come on, man, it's so wicked and deceitful. And and yet, who are the who are the preachers in this country who are you know have the fastest growing churches? Um, they're the ones who are saying sin isn't a sin. Um, you know, Second uh, Timothy chapter four. People with itching ears, they want preachers like this to give them cover again. So to help them numb their conscience, because it's like, man, you know what? Hey, if the pastor says this stuff's okay, he's the pastor. It must not be that bad. So what do I have to worry about if I'm doing the same thing? And so that's the logic behind it. And it's um, ridiculous for anyone that's ever read their Bible. But people that are looking for preachers like that, people with itching ears, uh, they don't want to read the Bible. They just want their conscience to be quiet. And they'll worry about they'll worry about all that judgment stuff after they die, but they're not worried about that. Uh, their heart isn't in heaven. Their treasure isn't there. Their treasure's here on earth. They want to get everything they can out of this life. And so, whether it's indulging in sin, or you know, being greedy, or you know, uh, being acceptable on all the right social justice issues and all this other, you know, whatever. Um, it all comes down to a love of the world and wanting to indulge in the world and be accepted by the world. And so the contrast, so like I said, this stuff is, this has been going on for a long time. Obviously it's been going on, um, for, uh, 2000 years at least. Um, and so unfortunately we just see, uh, the, our country isn't immune from it. Um, because people love sin. But then, I, I don't know if you've read all these articles lately about just the incredible persecution that's going on of Christians uh, lately and in Africa, uh, particularly just in the last week or so. There's just been so much stuff going on. Um, there was a report of a pastor. He's a Somali pastor, um, but he's in Kenya uh, near the Somali border. And he was um, just brutalized by Muslims um, because he's, you know, he's a Christian pastor. And they like broke his thigh, they broke his thigh bone and did all this other stuff to him. And, and just, you know, just beat the daylights out of him. And I guess one of the guys when they... Uh, when they walked up to him, they said, uh, let's see where the quote is. We've been following your movements and your evil plans of changing Muslims to Christianity. And then they just, yeah, hit him with clubs, knocked him unconscious. I mean, this guy's got like three kids, I think. And so you have, you have pastors in other parts of the world who are not caving into their culture. This guy isn't being ecumenical <laughs> and tell, I mean, it could be easier for him to just tell people, yeah, go along with the Muslims. Hey, it's all, you know, different paths to the same God. I mean, the sort of garbage here in this country. Um, and he could not get beaten nearly to death and breaking big bones in his body 
He could take care of his kids. But he's not doing that. He's not caving into his surroundings. He's standing up for Jesus uh, to the point of of, uh, enduring these attacks. And you just, again, just in the last week, uh, if you just read uh, all the stories of Christians and what they have to put up with around the world, and they don't cave in when it would be so much easier for them. And the sad thing is that people who call themselves Christians in this country, they're not even caving in for any sort of decent reason. They just, they just kind of, you know, set the, the word of God aside just so they can indulge their sins. Wow. And so the contrast between what passes for Christianity in the United States and watching what Christians around the world are having to put up with, man, it, it makes you wonder if, if there's, um, again, we see, we see it getting harder and harder for Christians in this country, but again, it's nowhere close to what it's like in other countries or has been for the last 2000 years. And already you see Americans just caving on this stuff. What was that there was a story about like a group at Liberty University who was protesting because of com- comments that Falwell made about raising, raising uh, his granddaughter as a girl, <laughs> which I guess is an outrageous notion. You're going to actually raise your children or grandchildren according to the sex that they are. And that's, that elicits protests at a Christian university, supposedly. And so I guess my question is why, why are these people here? Why, first of all, are they at Liberty University? Well, some men have crept in unawares. Terrors among the wheat. Trying to, trying to take this, uh, trying to take down God's people. Um, and then I hope Liberty is expelling these students for, uh, directly contradicting the word of God. Why are they there? Why are they there? There was another article about a poll about, um, uh, nationwide poll about, uh, LGBT privileges. Um, things like, well, it's always under the guise of non-discrimination, but those laws are used to mm, go after Christian businesses um, and telling religious organizations they have to hire people that uh, don't actually believe what the religious organization believes and all this other ridiculous stuff. Um, but they, uh, this poll was done among uh, supposedly evangelicals in the United States. And I have to get the numbers here because they were just outrageous. Um, seven in ten Americans favor laws that would protect LGBT people from discrimination in the job market, public accommodation, and housing. So again, it all sounds it all sounds good on the surface. You know, you don't want to just hit someone in the head with a brick because of their sin. Uh, I know I'd have a lot of welts on my head if people did that. Um, but this idea of saying that sin isn't sin and that it's just a normal thing. And so if you have a property that you're renting, like a house or something, 
uh, you have to rent it to people who are doing things that, uh, I mean, that are completely morally objectionable to you. But it's, it's only with things like this, right? It's not like if they were a heroin addict and they were shooting up heroin, you wouldn't have to like let them stay in your rental property. <laughs> if, if they were a thief or a drug dealer, you wouldn't have to let them stay. So it's only, it's, so it's just funny. Yeah. What was it? Uh, white evangelical Protestants, 54% were in favor of these special rights. 54% of quote unquote evangelical pro Protestants. Um, and what was the, I think they even said like a majority of Republicans, um, just, just, uh, as a note, uh, Republican does not mean Christian. The two words are different. They're even spelled different. Yeah, 56% of Republicans. So, um, yeah. So, this, this embracing, this, this is why. So, why do you have people like this, uh, at a Christian university? It's all just to undermine, um, to undermine what God says, to take God out of the culture, to embrace the wicked things, uh, of the world, to be acceptable by people. Uh, because it's really important to be accepted, and you don't want anyone to unfriend you. <laughs> Americans are so emotionally fragile that if uh, people who are diametrically opposed to you uh, don't like you, that you know you're going to cave in <laughs> and embrace the things you're not supposed to just to please people that don't like you. Oh, it's it's just tragic again because you look at what Christians are having to put up with in other parts of the world, and they're faithful, praise God, I, by the strength that he gives them. They are faithful. They're faithful. And uh, in this country, I, I, anybody who uh, used to listen to our old uh, witnessing report uh, program, uh, we've, we've mentioned more than once that the overwhelming majority of uh, people who called themselves Christians, uh, who we would talk to, um, you just let them talk for a few minutes and they'll tell you that it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. It's okay to get intoxicated. It's okay to use profanity. Uh, it's okay to be materialistic, to be prideful. Basically all the stuff the Bible says are sins. And that, and that was easily, easily the overwhelming majority of quote unquote Christians that we talked to. Uh, we're just in love with the world. And they would twist the word of God, just like the devil, in order to justify their embrace of sin. And their conscience was numb. Uh, they had convinced themselves or someone did it for them. Um, you know, because they repeated a magic prayer and um, accepted Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, the proof of true faith is regeneration. It's obedience, right? And an abhorrence of sin. Was it 1 Thessalonians 5.22? Abstain from every form of evil. And yet you have people who call themselves Christians and even people who call themselves pastors who openly embrace sin and even say it's a sign of their Christian maturity. It's, it's tragic. These people are in so much trouble. 
the devil has done such a good job of not only convincing themselves, uh, convincing these people that they can live in their sin and somehow be saved without repentance and regeneration. And he's even got them to go as, as far as telling other people they can do the same thing. They're leading other people to hell. Tragic. If you're one of these people, and believe me, believe me, I spent the first 40 years of my life thinking this exact same way. I was doing all sorts of wicked things. And up until the day God saved me, if you would have asked me if I was a Christian and I was going to heaven when I died, I would say, yeah, no doubt about it. And then God showed me in one night that if I were to die that night, I was going to go straight to hell and I'd be there forever. And I knew he was right because I was telling myself these kinds of lies. But God had mercy on me and showed me the truth. Praise God for that because I had done a fantastic job of deceiving myself. And were it not for God's grace, I would have deceived myself straight to hell. And so if you're doing the same thing, um, stop. Uh, stop messing around with this stuff. You don't know how long you're going to live. Um, uh, you, can, you can leave this life in the next ten minutes. And then you're going to have an incredible realization of um, how big a lies you'd been telling yourself. So don't don't play around. Uh, don't mess around with so-called churches who feed into your desire for these things. Uh, run away from them. Run away. Um, don't don't even listen to this because if they if they get a foothold in your brain. Um, they're going to start planting these tares, uh, and they're going to help your flesh convince you that uh, you don't have anything to worry about as you embrace these sins. Well, let me tell you, you have everything to worry about, just like I did. Don't mess around with this. Run from these guys and ask God to save you, to open your eyes, to give you two minutes of quiet honesty with yourself. What you've been telling yourself. Don't mess around. Anyway. Lots of tears among the weeds. Read Matthew uh, 13 tonight. You'll, you'll like it. They're great. Great parables Jesus told in that uh, chapter. Anyway. That's going to do it for this time. Feel free to email us. Podcast at JesusForSinners.com And tell all your friends. Someone else might want to hear about this stuff. We'll talk to you all later. Have a good night. God bless.